Welcome to the church. 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 I'm Cindy Linton, and I want to welcome you to the church. My husband, Josh, and I are pastors of a growing congregation of people in Normal, Illinois, joining together in an effort to honor God, love people, and discover truth. Thank you for joining us today. chapter, a familiar set of scriptures, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 13. Jesus said, then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamp and went to the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil in their lamps. I'm reading from the New Living. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. Everybody say extra When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Everybody say, fell asleep. At midnight, they roused by the shout, look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are gone out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to the shop and buy some yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went out to meet him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you, so you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour. Of my return. I love the way God has set up this service and singing about heaven. I love and I'm excited about heaven. And one day I want to walk those streets of gold. But what I got to make sure is I got to make sure I'm ready. I got to make sure my life is where it's supposed to be. I don't want to sing about heaven and then miss it on the day that Jesus comes. So for just a little while this morning I want to preach on this topic. Don't be foolish. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord Jesus, I thank you so much, God, for the atmosphere that you have set for this service. God, I thank you so much for the moment that we walked into this door, God, until the moment that we leave, God, that your presence would just saturate us in this house, Lord Jesus. God, I pray that you would remove me out of the way today, God, and let your spirit, God, let it come and let your word speak to us today, God. Let us not be foolish and not hearing your word today, God, but let us receive what you have for us in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated this morning. Can you turn me down just a little bit? I have sensitive ears. <laughs> there was a lot taking place in our opening scripture this morning. There was a wedding, there was a bridegroom, there were five wise, and there were five foolish. What a time, right? That in and of itself would have been great. But also what there was was a delay. You ever been to a wedding that was delayed? Don't you get an antsy? You get anticipated. You start to you're be you you are seated just like you all are, and nothing is going on. You start to look around. You start to look at your watch. I thought this started at two, right? Isn't that how we are? You you start to get it. I've got things to do. I wish they would hurry up and get this over with, right? Anybody ever been? No, nope, just me. But you start to get antsy, and you start to look around. You start. Oh, did something happen? 
did something. Nobody's ever thought that. Man, I've, I need to go to some more weddings with you all. But there was a delay in this wedding. There were lamps and there was oil. Many of us have heard this scripture and this Bible story before warning us to be ready. Have you heard this scripture? Don't raise your hand, but have you heard this scripture? I've heard this scripture throughout my life in church. I've heard this scripture throughout the Bible. And what I've heard from this scripture is make sure you're ready. Make sure you're ready. Make sure you're ready. And I've heard it time and time and time again. So much so that sometimes I think I just turn it off. Because if anybody knows I'm ready, it's me, right? You don't have to have some preacher behind a pulpit telling me to get ready. I know I'm ready. There isn't anybody that knows me better than me, right? Be careful the world's going to start creeping in. Be careful the world's going to start creeping in. Be careful the world's going to start getting in your way. Be careful the world is going to start sowing seeds to your ground that when that trumpet calls, you're going to be attached to some vines and you're not going to be able to raise up because what happened was is we got lost in translation, the same way the foolish brides got lost. We thought it was just good to be a part, but Jesus isn't just calling us to be a part of the body. He's calling us to be ready for when He returns. How many believe He's returning again? I believe He's returning again. I believe He's coming again so much so that I want to tell the church, you got to be ready. You need to be ready. You need to get yourself ready. What does that mean, Pastor? It means you better be on your knees in repentance. It means you better make sure that you've been baptized in the one and only name under heaven whereby we must be saved. And that's the name of Jesus Christ. And you better make sure that as the Bible says that after we're baptized, we shall be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. If we don't have it, we better be seeking it. If we're not seeking it, we better start. With the signs and the evidence and speaking in other tongues. Again, it's not my word, it's His word. That's why we get in agreement with it. That's why we gather in agreement with it. If you don't agree with what I'm saying, that's fine. Search the book. Search the book. Because I've searched the book. I've searched the book time and time and time again. And whether it was Jesus Himself talking about the outpouring of His Spirit. Or whether it was His disciples that worked in him, under Him afterwards. He's always talking about the outpouring of His Spirit. But there was a bridegroom. A warning of being prepared. Jesus is coming back. The bridegroom will return. Will the church be ready? Will the church be ready? It's one thing to say, will the church be ready? Because here's where we get lost, church. Here's where we get lost. Because the church is going to be ready with or without us. Hear me. The church is going to be ready with or without us. So what happens is, is we say, will the church be ready? And we all shout, yes! But we forget the next part. Will I be ready? Will I be ready? Well, I make sure that when I lay my head down at night, well, I make sure that when I wake up in the morning that I'm ready to hear those trumpets. Or if my light flashes before those trumpet sounds, will I make sure before that last twinkle in my eye, will I make sure that I'm ready because that's where the rubber meets the road. It's not if the church will be ready because Jesus said, Peter, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But the question is for us today, church, the reason that he sent me here the reason he brought you here is to say are you ready are you ready we are so far removed from the time in which this parable was spoken and so far removed from the culture in which it was spoken in I wonder this morning if we still grasp the importance of the word and I'll share with you how far we are removed they didn't have automobiles back in that time did they but how we mostly relate to this story is, how many of you have ever ran out of gas? Anybody ever ran out of gas? Come on, give me a show of hands. Come on, usually what we do when we run out of gas is you got to slump your head a little bit. You know, it's, it's one of those like, yeah, it happened to me. You know, but we, we, there, there is people in here that have ran out of gas. It, it could be safe to say that a good percentage of us, whether we want to admit it or not, have actually ran out of gas in this room. No more than likely of those, but it would have been an older model car that we have driven, right? Do you ever have that car? I had a truck, and it had this gas gauge on it that it would show you a quarter of a tank, and then you went to a, when you went a block, it went to empty. 
And that was just something you had to learn. Like, I got great gas mileage from full to a quarter. But as soon as it went to a quarter, it was, whoop, it was done. Anybody had one of those? You know what I'm talking about? Anybody drove a car older than 2,000? Yeah, yeah, right there, right? You, you drove the horse and buggy when it was first out. <laughs> The cars, they have this indicator gauge, and and you know all about that, but have no fear because what happened was society said too many people are running out of gas. So what they did is if you have a car 2,000 or newer, it might even be a hybrid, but they give you an estimation of how far you can actually go. Matter of fact, it's not an estimation. It'll tell you starting at 50 miles to 25 down to 10. I've done this in my car. It'll tell me five miles to empty, four miles to empty. Three miles to empty. It'll go from yellow to red. It'll say, whoa, getting crazy. You better go get some gas. Anybody know what I'm talking about in a newer car? It'll even tell you your electric capacity of how far you can go. The reason is, is because it was such a problem. Roadside service was having to take gas to people on the road because we just didn't understand. And we just weren't prepared for what we were about to take place. So they gave us this indicator, this early warning. Even with all the information, guess what? People still run out of gas. Can you believe it? I have ran my car. This is, how it, this is what happens. I've got so comfortable with my gauge, I just use it to let me know when I'm about to run out. Like, I don't even pay attention anymore, right? I just let my car do the thinking. And sometimes I pay attention when I drive, Lord help me. I drive a lot, but sometimes I pay attention, and God's always faithful and keeps me on the road, and sometimes I should pay attention more than I do. But I'm just driving 50 miles. Well, that's all right. You'll let me know when it's next. 25 miles. Well, that's all right. You'll let me know. I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. Is anybody with me this morning? Because here's what's happened. That's what we're doing in the church. What we're doing in the church is saying, well, the pastor will let me know if I'm getting too far out. Well, the saints of God will let me know if I'm getting too far out. Well, God, God may be whispering, let me know if I'm, God will let me know because that's where we get firm. God will let me know if I'm getting too far away, right? And we just roll, we just roll on autopilot and we just cruise on through and we just keep taking for granted all of the things and all of what God has wanted us to do in our life because we're just waiting for this opportunity to go and meet him in heaven, are we not? There's no shame in that. I want to meet him in heaven. But here's the wrong part of that. The Bible says that the kingdom can come here. Lord, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. What happens is is the church, when we are not filled and constantly filled, we're missing out on God's will for us right now. The church is going to go through persecution, and it did, did it not? But do you ever read about how Paul said, woe is me? Woe is me. Oh, help me. I'm beat down. No. He said I was in a shipwreck. I was bitten by this. He said all of these things and yet God was still faithful and kept his hands upon me. What would it look like, church? What would it look like if we started to be like the wise and brought a little extra oil so every time we needed God, we could just fill it up and that light would begin to shine brighter and brighter and brighter. Why? Why do we go on autopilot? Foolishness. Foolishness. I love that word. Everybody say foolishness. Now just say it a couple times. Foolishness. It's a foolish word, is it not? Foolishness. It just comes out of the mouth silly and wrong. And you know, you know in your life there's been somebody that you've called foolish before. You said you are foolish. And when you said it, you said it intently and you said it seriously. But deep down inside, the jokester inside of you, you said foolish. And you kind of got a little smile about you, didn't you? Because you weren't mad at them, but you just wanted to know they were a little bit wrong, didn't you? Right? Isn't that what you call somebody foolish? Like they did something and it was foolish, but it was funny a little bit. There isn't nothing funny about missing heaven. There isn't nothing funny about living for God all of our lives or just meeting Him and living for Him and then missing the day and the opportunity and the hour that He's coming. It's foolishness. It's not because we don't have the information. It's because we're not prepared with the information. It wasn't gasoline in Jesus' day. It was oil. It was the same olive oil that you use in your pan to cook your chicken. It was oil that was going to light the fires of the, for the bridegroom. It was an automobile. It was a lamp. Not just any lamp, but a large lamp that would illuminate the area 
for sight. Show that uh, oil lamp, Macy. We often relate the lamp to an oil lamp. That's often what we relate this lamp to, isn't it? That's not it. See, the thing about this lamp is it's got a little extra glass shield around it. And the flame is on the inside and it's a small flame. And what happens, church, is we start to relate our lamps and the lamp of the bridegroom in this story to this lamp. And we think there's going to be extra illumination. Show the other photo. This is actually what the oil lamp in this, in this set of scriptures refers to. This is the lamp that Jesus was talking about with the bridegroom. This is how far out of context that we've got ourselves to understand what's taking place. The lamp was a little bit of light right there on the side. It was just a wick. Anybody ever seen a candle? Right? You see a candle, it doesn't illuminate that much light, but that's what was taking place with the bridegroom. And this was on a small scale. This would have been on a much brighter scale because they needed it to light their pathway. The lamp was like this, but on a larger scale for a large area. Five times in the Word of God, in this parable, Jesus used the word lamp, which refers to the Greek word, be ready for it, lampus. L-A-M-P-A-S, Lampus. Five times in this reference, he referred to this lamp. The same word used in John 18 and 3. Jesus was in the garden. You remember this story? And he was praying, and who came? Judas with the Roman soldiers. And do you know what they were carrying? The Bible says torches and lanterns. Do you know what those lanterns were? Lampus. The same thing. They didn't have little bitty lambs out. Pick Get the picture with me. Roman soldiers with little bitty lamps going, where's Jesus at? Let me see if I can find him. They had big torches because they were going in an area that was dark and looking for it. This is how backwards we've gotten because there's lampposts on every corner that we have, is there not? There's light in every part of our lives. But in that time, the world, there was no light, so they had to have illumination to take place. It was the same lampus used in the book of Acts, in Acts 20 and 8. It's the same lampus that was used in the book of Revelations to talk about the lampstands of the seven churches in, Ro- in Revelations 4, 5 and Revelations 8, 10. This isn't just a small amount of light. you got to hear me now because here's what I think we're getting fooled. We think just a little bit of oil is enough to get us to the bridegroom and that's fine for a little bitty lamp but it's not a little bitty lamp that Jesus is calling us into. It's a large Lamp, Matthew 5, 14 and 16 says, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Our lamp is so vital and so important. The lamp in this story is just as important as the oil as is the bridegroom because the, the place that we store the oil carries the, the much, as much meaning as the bridegroom himself. Do you understand me? The conduit that the light is illuminated from has to be taken into consideration in the preparation, the custom of the time was that the wedding was held at night. Most of our customs today is you'll get a wedding on a Saturday at 2. Do you know why Saturday 2 weddings are the most favorable for our time? The reason is, is because it's inconvenient. It's convenient to the most amount of people. I said that the wrong way. Because Saturday in the morning, people have things going on. Saturday at night, people have things going on. Saturday in the afternoon, they don't. Do you know why it was at night in our Bible? Because it was the most convenient to the people of the time. Because you know what they were doing during the day? They were working. They were working in the fields. They were working in the storehouses. They were working. And it was at night that the, that the wedding would begin to take place. So it also adds a layer to the understanding of why the lamp was so important. This wasn't just the story, that Jesus, a parable that Jesus was telling to get people to think about a lamp and some oil and the bridegroom. There was importance to the whole understanding, the bridal party that the ten virgins were a part of. They would have met sometime that day to get ready for the wedding. Hear me, throw that picture of that lamp back up there for me, Macy, the old one. They would have met that day. And you know what wouldn't have been in that lamp during the day? Oil. They would not have walked around with that pot with oil. Have you ever walked around with a cup 
and you're going over roads and you just start spilling all that stuff. The bridegrooms, that the, the, the foolish that showed up, there was no oil or very little oil in their lamp to begin with. Hear me this morning because we get fooled on this set of scripture. There was very little oil in the lamp and when they showed up, that's why the wise had an extra container. They were so prepared that they knew this could go on and on. They knew it could go on. They would have came to help the bride get ready. It's why they came in the daytime. They didn't know when the bridegroom was coming. They would gather at their house together in a chosen place. And they would have waited together. Then the bridegroom would come. And they would light their lamps. And it was so important. We live in the modern times where the importance of a lamp isn't really that important anymore. Because we can just go to the store and buy a flashlight for $5.99. Today you send out an electric invite to your wedding. You set a date and a stamp for reminders, and you show up at a place at the certain time. That's not this. They had to be prepared. That's why Jesus is saying this is what the kingdom is like. Because the kingdom isn't like just show up and eat at a banquet. The kingdom is being prepared. I'm trying to speak into somebody this morning. The whole idea of just showing up and being a part, that's not the kingdom. There's work and there's effort that has to take place in the kingdom. There is a whole denomination of this world that's telling you just to show up and be happy to be a part of. That's not in the kingdom. It's foolishness is what it is. And they will be judged according to that. I don't want to stand before the Lord one day and tell you, oh, just happy you made it to Sunday attendance and you're going to make it to heaven. That is not it. That's foolishness to say, I just want to be a part. That's why these five were called foolish. Because they were just happy to be a part of the bridal team. Is there anybody in here that's been a part of a wedding? They, be getting, they are getting more and more expensive to the point that sometimes the bridesmaids or the groomsmen have to pay just as much for the wedding as the people that are actually getting married. You got to pay for your dress, you got to pay for this, you got to pay for all of these stuff, right? There's thought and preparation that has to go into it, is there not? Jesus was referring to this in this scripture. You had to come ready for the celebration, and yet we often think as the church that we just need to show up. And there is no being ready for the celebration. We've got to make sure that the oil is flowing. We've got to make sure that the oil is always ready. Because we don't know when there's going to be a shout from the outside. Hey, the Lord is coming. Hey, the bridegroom is here. We have no idea when that shout is going to take place. And I don't want to be caught. I don't want to be caught. That's why services are so important to make sure that we're ready because I don't want to be caught without being prepared and I don't want any of you to be caught without being prepared. It's why this word is so hard upon my heart this morning. The five foolish Jesus is talking about were in the wedding. Hear me. They were in the wedding. They were known. They were known to the bridegroom. They were known. You could even say that they were a part of the church if you're in referencing to the church. You could say that they knew they were known. It's not that they didn't know to bring oil for their lamps. It's not that they didn't know that the bridegroom could come at any time. It's not that they didn't know he could be delayed and waiting. What it was is they just weren't prepared. It's why he used the term foolish. Because they were a part of the celebration already. The only thing that kept them out was themselves. The only thing that caused them to miss was themselves. The only thing that kept them away it wasn't their relationship. It wasn't their uh, connection to the bride. What it was is that they weren't prepared to wait and to tarry and make sure that they had enough oil so when the sound was made that they could get themselves ready and begin to illuminate and begin to walk in the celebration because that's what it was. The whole festival was about an opportunity to share the bride and the groom with everybody around. It's midnight. It's dark. So much so that they fell asleep in slumber. These lights were to let people know that the celebration was getting ready to take place. It's why I read the scripture that you are the light of the world. A city set upon a hill because there's oil flowing down. And God's saying, let me illuminate you to show my celebration. Because it was at this time, there was no messenger that ran around to Sayo's house and said, hey, Sayo, the bridegroom just got here. Come on, the wedding's getting ready to start. 
Hey, Barry, the bridegroom just got here. Get your family ready. The celebration's getting ready to start. No, the bridegroom traveled with his party. And as they saw his light coming, Jesus, the light of the world, as they saw his... Oh, come on, don't make me get excited about it this morning. As they saw his light coming, they made a sound. And they said, hey, wake up. The bridegroom is coming. Everybody get ready. And they poured in their oil. And they lit their torches. And then everybody around began to see where they were going to this celebration. Was it the bridegroom's house? Was it a different place? And they would begin to see and they would say, hey, we were invited to that wedding. Come on, let's get out. Come on, let's go. Because that's how important the light was in that time. Because there was a party that was going to take place and we didn't want to miss it. Heaven is going to be a party. Heaven is going to be a celebration. Heaven is going to be a joy. And I don't want to miss heaven. Because you know what's on the other side of heaven? Hell. Hell. You know what happened when they didn't make it? The door was locked. The door was locked. And there was no more. I stand at the door and knock. Because the door was locked. And there was no getting in. They had lamps. They were known. They were known of the bridegroom. But by the time he got in that door, he wasn't sitting there going, Oh, where's Jessica? She didn't make the party. Oh, where's Tessa? Oh, where's Tori? What he did was the door was locked, and everybody that was in there was in there. And you could stand outside doing this all you wanted, but the door wasn't coming open. There's coming a time, church. There's coming a time. There is a day. There is a day of reckoning when the Lord returns, and that door is going to be shut. He's going to move off the mercy seat, and he's going to move to the judgment seat. And you know what that holds? It holds the door to hell. Because when that door shut, hell, an abomination is what we have to answer if we don't make it on the inside. I know you don't want to hear it, neither do I. You don't want to hear it, neither do I. Here's the problem. We've gotten too comfortable with it. We've gotten too comfortable. I've heard people at my workplace say they can take the best of what hell gives them. I've heard people. I've heard people tempted. I've heard people to the point that they don't know what they're saying. But the church knows what hell looks like. It's weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's outer darkness. But do you know what it is more than anything? It's out of His presence. It's out of His will. I'm pointing to the door like He's in there. He's really not. It's out of Him. That's what hell is. It's a void from the Lord. He went to the cross so that we don't have to face that void. That's the whole point of the light, church. It's the whole point of the lamp. The five foolish made no effort to be ready. I'm not looking at a church this morning that has not made effort. I know individually that you have made effort in your faith. I know individually you have grown. I know individually that's not what I'm telling you. What I'm telling you is make sure, make sure, make sure. Don't rely on yourselves to say, oh, I'm good. Make sure with God. Make sure that you know, that you know the five foolish made no effort. They just showed up hoping to get in. And they left no oil. The only oil that they had would have been an oil from a wick that had got oil some time ago. And as they knew that if they lit their light that it would eventually go out as they walked the streets because there was no oil. They were hoping the bridegroom would come quick. I want him to come quick. Don't you? I want him to come quick. But you know the problem with him coming quick? There's a whole world out there that doesn't know him yet. And that's the point of the church to be ready, to be ready, to be ready. To make sure that we know who he is. The, the foolish were hoping that he would come quick. And in the quickness there needs no be no preparation. Because that little bit of oil it would have lasted them long enough to get where they needed to go. But it was the wise. It was the wise that said no matter how long this is going to take. I've got enough oil to get through. No, long, no matter how long he is going to tarry, I've got enough oil to make sure that I get there. No matter how long he is going to wait, I'm not going to miss my Jesus. No matter how long it is, I'm going to make sure that I'm ready when he comes. Then they announced the bridegroom as panic set in. Panic set in. Panic set in. We don't have enough oil. Hear me. 
I know the philosophy and the, 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 the ad, added verbiage is that, well, we can just wait until that last trumpet sounds and then we can repent and we can be baptized and we can be filled with His Spirit and you can. You know what the problem with that is? You're missing all of the life abundance that Jesus has for you. You're missing it, church. You're missing it and it's a philosophy of fools because we don't know the day or the hour. So why not make sure that we're right with Him right now? Why not make sure that we're settled with Him right now? Why not make sure that there's oil and there's always oil in our life, the tragedy, we made it into the wedding party. We brought lamps for the celebration, but we didn't bring the oil. It's why I don't believe in once saved, always saved. There is no such thing as once saved, always saved. It's why the Bible says time and time again that we die daily. Salvation is a daily occurrence. Salvation is an independent occurrence that continues time and time and time again. Let me show you why once saved, always saved isn't enough. Because if it was, these foolish would have been let in. These foolish would have had enough oil in their lampstands to make it to whatever they needed to do. These foolish would have had enough from their first relationship encounter with Christ to make it all the way in. Once saved, always saved is the way of a fool. Because it says what I did when I was five or ten is going to carry me throughout my whole life. How many of you have made mistakes? Don't raise your hands. How many of you have made mistakes in your thirties? How many of you have made mistakes in your 40s? How many of you have made mistakes in your 50s and 60s and 70s and so on and so on? How many of you made mistakes when you were 10? All of us. All of us did. It's why the Bible is constantly referring to a die daily, a, a repentance model, an understanding that we need to be on our knees seeking the Lord. Do you know why? Because there is a world out there telling you that it's just good enough to be a part of the tradition of the church. The world will tell you that all you need to do is attend a VBS or attend a tradition of a church, the Sunday service, the Wednesday, an end time Bible study series, and that is enough to get you through. It's not. It's not. I know. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm on the line today. Not on the line, but I'm pressing your buttons today. And there's a reason that I want to press some buttons today because I don't want to be called up to meet him and say, why did you not tell him this? That's how important it is. I don't always preach this way, but when you preach hell, you better make sure you preach it the right way. I don't want to sugarcoat it. I don't want to go there, and I don't want to be it on my radar because I don't want anything to do with it. I want my relationship with Jesus Christ. I want my relationship with my Lord and Savior, and tradition will not get you there. Tradition is the lamp because the church church is going to make it but just because you attend the tradition doesn't mean you make it it's relationship with the kingdom it's relationship with the king that's how you're going to know that's how you're going to know because it's your relationship it's the it's the reading of the word and when we come across something that doesn't line up we say oh lord examine my heart oh god search me god don't let me just take advice from this world, God, but let me seek you for this direction and this guidance. It's repentance that needs to take place in our life. We've got to make sure that we are ready. Everybody point to themselves and say, make sure I'm ready. Make sure I'm ready when called. Repent, turn to Jesus. Baptism in His name and filling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. John 7, 38-39 says, Anyone who believes in Me, come and drink. For the Scripture declares, rivers of living water will flow from His heart. The King James says belly. I love the word belly so much more. He says belly. John would go on to say in parentheses in 39, he said when he said this living water, he was speaking of the Spirit. You don't think the Spirit is important? Why on earth would John say it before Jesus ever was even called up or went to the cross? Who would give to everyone believing in Him? But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into His glory. The oil. The oil is the Spirit of God. The oil is the connection and that relationship to keep us full and overflowing. Because when Jesus is coming out of your belly, you know what that means? Show that picture up there, Macy, of that old, old lamp. When Jesus is coming out of your belly, that means that that oil is flowing over that lamppost. 
That means that light, that light that's burning, that glory of God that's shining. It doesn't have to worry about it. You say, Pastor, how do I know if I've got it? Because these signs shall follow them that believe. Because these things will take place. The fruit of the Spirit. Jesus is the oil for our lamp. It's not just being in the body. It's making sure that my lamp is full when the time has come. It's not about if we've been in church all our life or if today is our first day. It's about the relationship we have. It's about how much Jesus do we have on the inside. Is he bubbling over or is he barely enough? Think about the barely enough. Think about the, the virgins that showed up, the five foolish. Think about it. It was barely enough. But the others was bubbling over so much that they had it on reserve on the side. Matthew 24, 37 through 44 says this. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. We love this, don't we? Because it's getting bad out there, is it not? We love this scripture, but we don't like to go prepare. We just love to get excited about it, but we don't want to make sure to check ourselves in the mirror. We don't always check and make sure we're where we're supposed to be. We want to shout because the day of the church and the reunion with God is coming and that trumpet and the sound, but i got to make sure that I'm a part of the body. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered the boat. Life was going on. There was abundance. There was growth. There was good things taking place. All up to the time the door was shut. People didn't even realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them away. Church, we're not going to know. This is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken and the other will left. Two women will be grinding flour in the mill. One will be taken, the other will left. So you too must keep watch. For you don't know that day your Lord is coming. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time for the Son of Man to come when it is least expected. I know you're faithful people here this morning. I know you're faithful people, but you live in the same world that I live in too. And we've got to make sure there's no dust, no anything on us that's going to keep us away from the Lord. Because the Lord is coming back soon. Can I get a witness this morning? The Lord is coming back soon. The bridegroom is coming for his bride. He said, if I go, I will prepare a place for you. He is preparing for us, church. Why is it that we cannot do the same and make sure that we are prepared for him? It's not time to be foolish. It's not time to be lacking a sense of good judgment. But God is coming to remind us to be ready, to be wise. To be wise, showing experience, knowledge, and good judgment. Stand with me this morning. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, mighty Jesus. Oh, mighty Jesus. You say, why? Why, Pastor? Why preach this right after coming after reading the, the Word for 24 hours? Why? Why do that after coming out of reading the Word for 24 hours? Why would God have you preach this message unto us? Why? Because if we're not careful, we could think that our gathering for 24 hours somehow established us. It somehow set a precedent that we now we have now became something. But if it's not the if it's if the presence is not in it, we're just empty lamps. If the presence is not a part of it, we're just empty lamps. And God was sharing with me through the times that I was here and the times that I was praying. He was sharing with me the agreement and the, 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 the spoken word that has already been set out in his book and for our community. And he was laying it out on a table, but he said, oh, how sad would it be for you to reach out to the lost and you yourself would not be filled with oil. You yourself would be lacking and everything that you're trying to do. How sad would it be for your whole body to be with empty lamps when I return? God is calling us this morning. We're going to take communion this morning. A time to remember. Do this in remembrance. Remember the stripes on his back. Remember the nails. Remember the pain, the agony. 
Remember the spear in the side. Remember the mockery. And how it was all for us. Understand that just being a part isn't enough. That we've got to have God inside of us to the point that we are ready for when He returns. Communion is the opportunity to remind ourselves just that. Before we take of this communion, I wonder, knowing not just my heart, but what God has, I wonder before we could even begin to remember and to take of the body and the blood, I wonder if we can find a place to pray. I wonder if we could begin to talk to God before we thank Him in remembrance and, and honor Him for what He has done for us. I wonder if we could just begin to cry out to Him in a state of repentance. I wonder if we could examine our hearts. I wonder if we could examine our souls, whether it be right up here at this altar or right there at your seat, wherever you are comfortable. I wonder. I wonder if this message could just begin to churn in us, God. Lord, I've lived for you forever, God. I don't want to be lacking now, Lord. God, I don't want to be foolish in this day, in this hour. God, I don't want to get caught up and miss your return. Come on, church. Let's cry out to him from the depths of our heart today. It's not about a full body. It's about individuals seeking after God. It's about us in our own way saying, God, I need you and I want to be ready. Come on as she plays. To the Lord today.
Here's the beautiful thing about the parable. The bridegroom hasn't come yet. bridegroom hasn't come yet church we haven't missed we haven't missed him but what he's given is us an opportunity to make sure that we are prepared and here's what I love about repentance repentance doesn't have to take hours and hours upon our knees in a prayer closet all repentance I didn't follow every part of your word God but from this point on Lord I'm seeking after you And here's the thing, we're going to stumble and we're going to fall, but God is always faithful and just, and He's already right, always right there to say, I hear you. Let me help you up and let's walk on this road again. Ryan has the communion. If you are wanting to be a part and take communion today, could you come up and grab from him as we prepare to take our communion this morning? Many, many of you, you know, I, I got into a commitment with the Lord later in my life. I, I grew up attending a place that took communion on, on, on the regular, and there is no wrong, no issue with that. We here don't take communion a lot for no, no real reason per se except for the reason of this the solemnness of it and what I think what I think can happen is I realize this is just grape juice I realize this is just a wafer kids if you can go find your parents and stand with your parents I think that would be great what can happen is, is we can just look at this as something that's disposable. We, we can look at this as something that's just a part of a tradition. But it's not, it's not as the body of Christ that we are dedicating ourselves to. It's the blood of Christ that we are partaking in our life. This isn't something just haphazard to take. As much as I'm warning us about the scripture that we read about him coming, I'm warning you about taking this and not being in the right mind about it because this is his body. This is his blood. And there is a solemnness that it represents to those who are taking it today. There is an understanding that we just dedicated ourselves to 24 hours of being in His Word. And now we are dedicating ourselves to Him in the same way that He dedicated Himself to us. Mark says this, As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then they broke it into pieces and He gave it to His disciples saying, Take it. For this is my body. Open your wafer. Open your cup and take your wafer. Take, for this is my body. Let's take the body. And he took the cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. And he said unto them, This is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. Come on, drink. Lord, that's it. Come on, let there just begin to be a groan from the inside. Oh, come on, express your thanks in your own way right now.
was a wretch, I remember who I was. I was lost, I was blind, I was running out of time. Sin separated, a bridge was far. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the church. We hope you feel encouraged by the words you have heard today and would love the opportunity to get to meet you in person if you ever find yourself in Normal, Illinois. For more information on what's happening and to discover ways to connect, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and never miss a service. Also, follow us on social media. Find us on Instagram by searching thechurch.normalil or on Facebook by searching The Church. Direct links can be found in the show notes.